2: we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116 123. That's 116 123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
0: Here's Spironi, who rolls the ball out to Cannon. He's got options in front of him. He picks out Thomas. This is a nice-looking move from Palace. That's a neat ball to Ambrose. A space on the right. Good turn. He crosses into Johnson. Oh, yes. Back of the nest.
3: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Back of the Nest Preview Podcast. I'm your host, Terence Ford of redandbluearmy.co.uk. And and Albert Curley is back to help Heskiff and I trudge through the review of Spurs. And the preview of Newcastle is coming Saturday. Yes, less than 24 hours after defeat at Spurs, we are here to... Lead you up to the weekend and look back to the opening ceremony and all the razzmatazz that went on at the White Hart Lane Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. I don't even know what they're calling it. And I have Albert and Sam joining me to go through it. Um, we'll start with you, Sam. How, how did you enjoy last night?
4: Uh, well, I got home about five minutes ago after queuing up at Seven Sisters for 20 hours. <laughs>
0: um,
4: I, I, I didn't really enjoy the game. Um I must say I put, I thought it was a really nice stadium to be fair. Yeah, um, we'll, we'll get into that. Let's 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 not dwell on that here because
3: pe- people are already complaining that too many Palace fans are giving their reviews and no one cares so. <laughs> um
5: Albert you weren't there last night was you? No. No. Watch it. it will be there next season, won't it? it will be there next season and the yeah. season after that. What's the well. what's the big fuss about? um well they do have very very nice beers in there
4: if there's any left but again
5: right they fill up from the bottom it's great i'd
4: just like to um do a little shout out to matt woodcock who wanted to see if the laws of physics did actually work and push the button up of his full (laughs) pint Uh, obviously a lot fell out because physics is real and uh about five minutes later he did it a second time so Big Outrage. shout out to Matt Woodcock.
3: Outrageous, shocking waste of beer, but um, oh, it leads us nicely into this.
2: Damn, I'm thirsty. I want a beer. What about you? You want a beer? I'm going to leave you three to it, man.
3: Right, Heskiff, you you said you are in meetings all day, so I'm expecting a large glass of red or something.
4: I was in meetings all day. I had a glass of red juice uh, <laughs> with my dinner and now I'm on water because I didn't go to the supermarket or the office. So I'm alcohol-free at the moment, unfortunately.
3: Mm,
4: yeah, I, I'm determined to create an alcoholic out of you. Um, cut, about... I mean, if I think if if we have more performances like yesterday, I don't think it's too far off, mate, to be honest.
3: Well, that reminds me of Prince Harry saying today that the game Fortnite should be banned from England because it's creating addicts. So um, <laughs> probably won't go down well with him. Uh, Albert, I know you've got a beer. I know you're with me.
5: Yep, I'm drinking a Heineken. Um and I can just just, just doing a test on I'm, I'm poking the bottom and nothing's coming out. <laughs> uh, was you talking to your wife there or just the Hey, she's 8 months
3: pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> um well, I'm I'm drinking um some Dead Pony Club again from Brewdog. But <laughs> when I opened the bottle, um literally froth came flying out everywhere. And um, my way of dealing it is what I imagine the end of a gay porno would look like. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah, wow. Wow, but it is very lovely. And um, if you haven't tried this, um, Dead Pony Club by Brewdog, I'd highly recommend it, Session panel, Lovely stuff. Uh, We've been linked. I say we've been linked. I mean, this is is what the news now, football news aggregator will do to you. Um, £30 million Colombian striker called um, Rafael Santos Bora. Now, um, that would be a great name for our banter list of strikers, wouldn't it, Heskiff?
4: It would, it would. And, I, you know, I've said it twice already, but if he played yesterday, he'd have fit right in.
3: <laughs> it certainly would have. Um, Heskiff, I mean, sorry, Albert, ever heard of him? Who? Rafael Santos
5: Bora. No. <laughs> well, apparently we're going to fork out 30 million quid on him. Like, uh... Well, with a name like that. It'd be rude not
3: to. <laughs> it certainly would. Um, perhaps uh, all the money has been freed up now because um social Sammy Jordan at Crystal Palace has has left the club, no longer works there. Um Heskiff obviously we know Sammy from our um flying higher fanzine days. Um we do, yeah. Yeah, so he's he's off to have a kid. Do you, do you think anyone's going to be able to fill his very big shoes?
4: Yeah, very talented shoes going by the scuffed penalty that he scored at <laughs> half-time against Huddersfield. Um, it's, it's been great to be fair. I think, you know, like five years ago, the person running the Twitter account of a football club, it'd be hard to justify that as a job, really. But now, because c- of how, you know, the banter that goes on between clubs and that sort of thing, it's it's pretty big deal. So, um, yeah, I think... Like you say, we've got a transfer budget now because his one hundred and fifty grand a week is uh, off the wage bill. So happy days. Yeah, exactly. It was. I hope they get
3: another Palace fan in to do it because I think I think that's key to making that sort of role successful. And um, yeah, so <laughs> I enjoyed enjoyed it after the game when Luka milovovic was tweeting about the penalty he scored, saying it wasn't the best penalty all season. <laughs> And Sammy was just like, "I'll take it, I'll take it." <laughs> Suggesting he was talking about he's. but um, yeah, he did the halftime challenge for those that wasn't there uh, with like three eight-year-olds, and then it was and our final contestant, twenty-six-year-old Sam. <laughs> uh, so it was a nice little send-off for him. Albert, do you
5: reckon uh, Sammy would beat your boy in a penalty shootout? Uh, probably. Yeah, he's he's twenty. He's like five times older than him. So <laughs> five times older. <laughs>
3: Yeah. yeah, but, you know, like someone could be five times older than me and I'd still expect to beat them in a penalty shootout.
5: That's true. I mean, Arthur's, you know, he he, he, he would have to probably take it from like the six-yard line. I don't think he'd make it from the, the 12 yards. So it's some sort of handicap that would have to be implemented. <laughs> okay. I'm sure he'd, we could make that smash happen. on me shed, son, though. Oh, what a game. We need to bring that
3: back. I mean, pff, I don't, pff, on me shed or the one from the halfway line. But I had to try I think the and-
5: the, the, original, the original one was the yeah. best because it was just so like you had to I can't think what was it if you if you if you did it once, you got to borrow the car for a day <laughs> it was, I don't, you yeah. did it twice, you got it for a week and if you did all three you got to win win the car it's like man come on it was the most difficult game ever and they probably change it to if you get one <laughs> you can have the car you just have it there was no car there was yeah. actually no car yeah. and what was the other one a game of two baths that wasn't i preferred on the shed sun to a game of two baths <laughs> on the shed sun was just chipping it into a shed wasn't it there was a chipping whole it into a shed with no roof what did you win there? What Did you just win the shed? I assume some sort of garden. If you hit shed. the shed, you got the shed for a day. But it <laughs> didn't have a roof. But don't have a roof.
3: <laughs> no, no, so hit the shed to get it for a day. Um, get it in on the bounce. Um, you get to keep it for a week with the roof off. But if you actually chip it straight in, because that was the thing with a halfway line challenge. You couldn't do it on the bounce. You had to go in full. So you're asking someone from the crowd to come out in a pair of trainers or loafers on a slippery professional football pitch and try and lever the ball like 60 70 yards without it bouncing and going into the goal. <laughs> if they could do that, they would be probably on the pitch
5: playing. It kind of I think that kind of it kind of predated the sort of height of the Soccer AM half what do they call it crossbar challenge. I think that really shed a light on how difficult it is like even the professionals rarely did it very very rarely did it so fat ken from the back (laughs) of the main stand (laughs) he's gonna have no chance yeah and fat ken might be part of um
3: the democratic football lads alliance which has um, been uh uh, plaguing sellers park for the last year i would say um and obviously a few of the local mps have come together and put an open letter into the guardian um, asking for the um, officials who be at Crystal Palace to condemn this sort of behaviour, handing out leaflets, sticking stickers around and stuff. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I have no idea if anyone who is of that way of mind listens to this podcast or not. Um, thousands and thousands and thousands of people in a football stadium think you're wrong. So stop doing it. <laughs> that's pretty pretty much all i've got to say about it really put the leaflets away leave your politics outside of a football stadium come there watch the lads play get behind them and leave all that shit at the door because no one wants to hear it right when we'll come back from this we will be talking about the spurs game last night
1: back of the nest match preview podcast www.backofthenest.com
3: right yes uh, a two 0 defeat um in the glittering new stadium uh which well, you, you can you can't really polish a turd it's still in Tottenham but <laughs> there you go uh Heskiff we'll, we'll start mm. with your thoughts on the opening ceremony uh did you uh, I actually found out today my little cousin was actually on the pitch because uh, he plays at Tottenham under 16s and he was one of the youth team players that sort of lined their way out I had no idea <laughs> Um but yeah, the uh,
4: marching band and... Um... The guy from Go Compare, apparently. I, w- was it? I had no idea. I, who well, was. I've got to be honest with you. Uh, by the time I got to the front of the beer queue <laughs> and then w- like wormed my way back out amongst the, the throng of people trying to get my place in the beer queue uh, and then having finished my beer, it was basically kickoff. So I saw absolutely none of it. <laughs> right, okay. Um but uh, I right hear it. Was, we we saw the sort of like the fireworks shoot out of the roof, and then the golden cock yeah. sort of sparkle or whatever, uh, which was you know fine. Fireworks are pretty good, but I didn't see any of the singing or the whatever else they had. Oh, I,
3: I somehow completely missed that the fireworks are happening. I saw the spraying cock. I'm um the. <laughs> I saw. The... Open another beer. <laughs> I saw the sparkles sparkling things around the gold Spurs crest on the roof of the stadium. That was the long way round, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I missed the fireworks going around the top of the stadium. Yeah. I mean, it was bizarre. I mean, I, I heard on the grapevine, um, that a friend of a friend who runs a sort of booking agency for, uh, famous acts were asked last week. Um, have you got anyone that can play the, <laughs> the Spurs opening ceremony? And, um, a list was sent back of potential acts that could play with their prices, and um, Spurs promptly were like, "Oh no, we're not paying. <laughs> we're not. We're not paying for it." So it looks like they just got some people from the local community in to sing. But and um, to be fair, Chaz
5: and Dave would have been half price. They, oh, yeah, they, they would, would now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, oh, rip. Rest in peace. Exactly.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was. Um, yeah it did. but then when I, I don't know if it was the go compare guy i think that was might have been a joke i have no idea who it was but this guy just he stormed onto the scene like everyone was already there and then he storms onto the scene singing in his operatic voice like other hand pulling up his trousers over his because they're they're not quite sitting up and it, it just for, for me i was just like who is this guy who's come in like he's Stone Cold Austin Stone Cold Steve Austin, but looks more like Paul Bearer. Um <laughs> so, so it was one of the bizarrest things I've ever seen in a football stadium. And um yeah, but the Spurs fans seem to like it, I guess. So um and well done to all the Palace fans for not waving the flags and joining in. Big they- big big fan of that (laughs) um and the stadium in general has i thought backstage was a bit um on the concourse they have put a bar right next to some stairs so you can't really queue properly and people trying to walk past which is just terrible design and of course the beard didn't work
4: (laughs) yeah well we we got in there and obviously you know the like sales pitches. You got this beer that fills up from the bottom or whatever and it's going to be quick and there'll be no queues mm. um the queue is massive when we got there um to the point where we sort of split up and one was at one bar and the rest of us were at the other and we were sort of texting back and forth to see who's going to get the beers first yeah um and then they said something like they could only do four transactions at, at one time on each bar <laughs> which was bananas and then one of the the beer you know, one of the beers that they had run out. So it was all a bit of a, all a bit of a mess. Um, but the, the stadium itself, like when you got out into the yeah. actual seating bit, because it had the sort of rails. Yeah, and the they, sort of snuck in safe, safe
3: standing. Yeah. Basically. It's not exactly what it looks like, but it basically is the same concept. And there, yeah. was,
4: there seemed to be no mention of that in the new stadium. Well, yeah, that's what surprised me. So I saw some photos beforehand, um, and I thought that's what it looked like. But then like you say, no no one had, like you would think that would be a big thing to highlight and no one had mentioned it. Yeah. But yeah, basically, because cause the seats sort of go straight up, um, and they've got a rail in front of it, there's loads of space um so I, I thought that was really good
3: yeah and no, i thought it was a great ex- like great little experience um especially when the football's really boring you could just sort of lean on it <laughs>
5: <laughs> uh yeah so how does that work then how high is if you're sitting down how high is that like if you're sitting down how high is that bar i don't see how the two things oh, i
3: see it's below like it it's is. way below your eye line so when you're standing right. up it's kind of at your like waist height
4: yeah
3: so it's it's way it's it's perfectly fine unless you're a, unless you're a child i guess uh, but we did have a child in a row behind us. We had uh, Miele Jednak was there of his kids, sat directly behind us, a few seats, a few seats down um, behind... Um, uh, with, I think it was Adam Sells who was with them. And uh, Neil Shipley was also in attendance, and he normally is Dean Gordon was in there, apparently, um, which I'm a bit gutted I didn't get to see Dean Gordon, because that would have... That's a great
5: spine of a team, isn't it? it
3: yeah, not bad. I mean, you've got... Dane Gordon's whipping in crosses or free kicks for Neil Shipley to head home. Got Mile Jedernak as well, could be in there, getting on the end of him. So not too, not too bad, that. Uh, All right. um, let's get on to the game then. <laughs> and since since fans have pretty much been getting on Hodgson's back, I mean, there was calls for of Hodgson, Hodgson make a sub again in this game. Um, bit like there was when we played at Wolves over Christmas and (laughs) as soon as we sung it, Jordan and I managed to find a goal and we won 2-0. But um, Chris, Chris Hamblin, Hambo of the review show, he tweeted after the game, utter rubbish. I'm embarrassed at how we've gone about this. We've set up for 85 minutes like we're playing Barcelona. No ambition, no urgency and hanging the players out to dry. Completely pointless turning up if you are so fearful of the opponent. Such an easy game for them. And this is where I think Hodgson's sort of landed himself in a bit of bother. Uh, but he said after the game, um, almost instantly on my Twitter feed, it came up after someone had said, the problem with this 2-0 is Roy Hodgson probably thinks this is a good result. <laughs> and then Hodgson's quote comes out and says, um, uh, we gave him a good game. And I just don't think that was the case, was it?
4: Yeah, I mean, I sort of, I, I sort of was a bit fed up last night after, after the game. Uh, but I saw this morning that his quote was, you know, we didn't make it easy for them, which, I mean, baffles me, honestly, because I f- I thought it was very easy. For them. I mean, to- Tottenham are a good team and they played all right, but I don't think they got into top gear, to be honest. Um, and, you know, I understand the sort of thinking of like, you know, defend, they're a good team, so, you know, don't don't let them get in. And I thought we defended all right. But it's just that there was no real ambition to do anything beyond that. And when we went 1-0 down, I, I was saying, you know, what, what is Hodgson seeing that he's satisfied with? Because I'm watching this game and it, now, it, it ain't going to change and now we're losing. So I don't know what you're seeing that I'm not. Were you thinking this is fine? Because we're losing now.
5: Cataract, probably. <laughs>
4: <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was. I, I just thought it was a very flat, Performance, and you know, it's very hard to get excited about it at the moment. Yeah, um,
3: we had a last minute dropout on one of our tickets, so literally at the very last minute, um, a, a friend of a friend, thanks for the call. Yeah, <laughs> no, it was literally very last minute, so it was like, Can anyone literally get there now? And um, we had a, a QPR fan ended up coming. I'm sure that's going to delight some of the listeners who missed out on the ticket. I do apologize. Um, but when we were 1-0 down and then uh Andros Townsend was sat on the side um ready to come on. And I just turned to him and was like, Roy Hodgson's speciality is um having a sub lined up at 1-0, and by the time he comes on, <laughs> it's 2-0. And uh but it didn't quite happen that way. It needed Andros Townsend to come on and um give the ball away um for them to score the second. And that was pretty much the case, it wasn't it, Sam? We was t- shot ourselves in the foot basically. It was um, the first one with we we'll start with I don't know Patrick Van Arnott's attempt at a seventy-yard crossfield ball because I think that's about mm. how many yards it has to be to get across that very big pitch. And then um, Luca got caught in possession. Not not didn't look the best on our team, did it?
4: No, it didn't. And. Yeah, you know, when you see those sort of things happening, you just say, oh, God, so just don't give him an opportunity out of it. You know, and, and with Luca's, I mean, yeah, I don't really know what PVA was doing because it wasn't great. But with Luca, I'm, I'm just like, you know, you've you've been hassled quite a bit all game and he's not really done anything. Just, just be, play it simple. Don't mess around with it. Mm. He obviously did mess around with it um, and they went up and scored. I am going to say, however, that, I maintain now, I haven't seen the replay back. I don't want any rational people coming back to me and telling me I'm wrong. The first goal scorer at the new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium was Luka Milivojevic. Do you know what? I was
3: was thinking this the other day with um, the the night before in the Wolves-Manchester United game, and this is coming from someone who's got Jimenez in his fantasy team. That goal wasn't a Chris Smalling own goal. It was a Jimenez goal because the ball was like, come off a Jimenez, and was going on target and then, He's Smalling's tried to block it and it was, still would have gone in otherwise if Smalling wasn't there where there's no way that Son shot was on target. So, no, I, I don't think it I, was. Son gets the goal but Jimenez doesn't and then there's loads of twats who've got Son in their fantasy team and I don't. I'm fuming.
4: <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be honest, if I did fantasy football I'd probably draft Son in if we're playing him because he, he loves <laughs> a goal against us. Um, I just don't want them to have the, the glory of having one of their plays scoring the first goal. Yes, it's an own goal. But it's a
3: Palace player who scored it, so take that. Yeah, I was fuming because I had Palace to win one nil with Kelly to score the goal at one thousand one hundred to one. Yeah, exactly. What the crazy odds is that? Um and then of course for the second goal, Heskiff Townsend was um faffing about and then mm-hmm. down the other end. A bit of a weird one. Do you think it was a penalty on Kane? It was a it was a very, very clumsy tackle for MacArthur. I mean, Kane just ruined him, really, made him fall over. <laughs>
4: It did look a bit clumsy. I, again, I I ain't seen it back, but it, it was just a, another because it was up the other end from where from where all the palace fans were were stood. Mm-hmm. It's just you can sort of see, it, it, even though obviously it didn't bundle it in, but from where we's where we where I was standing anyway, it sort of looked a bit bit messy. I think it was a good finish, but mm-hmm. um, you could just sort of see it coming in stages really, um, and it's just all a bit it's a bit Groundhog Day, you know, like we at that point for the last ten minutes. We were all right. Yeah. We sort of attacked a bit and Benteke coming in and looked pretty good. And we put some crosses in and we had a couple of chances. Wolf sort of started dancing a bit. But I'm like, what? you know, even when Lloris had a goal kick, we were pressing to the edge of the box. But I'm like, it's 85 minutes gone. Mm. So what's the point? You might as well just piss about in the middle like you've been doing for the whole of the rest of the game. Yeah, it seemed like to me uh,
3: there was definite instruction for... Van Harnholt and Aaron Wamba not to get forward. They barely crossed the halfway line into the last 10 minutes and it was infuriating because that's just the way you let Spurs pour onto you, basically. They played, They were playing with a 4-5-1. They were playing two left wing-backs, basically, at left back. And um, they were just pinning Wamba back and it, the chances he got to go forward, he just showed no interest. So it looked like it was definitely an instruction. And it's infuriating. It's just, you know, pass the ball out from the goalkeeper to the centre-back pass it to a midfielder he gets hurried out of possession they give it to Martin Kelly and he lumped it forward and,
4: yeah you, can't, rinse and repeat.
3: yeah you can't blame Martin Kelly he had nothing else on and if he's just going to lump long balls to the centre-forward why is it not why is that centre-forward not Ben Benteke who could actually have a chance of winning those balls as opposed to Batshuayi who's just you know good luck against year-old in the air mate <laughs> like it's just just wasn't happening um I felt one thing that did really annoy me, and obviously Andre Mariner was the referee, and he's already um, sent off Zaha for clapping this season. Um, he allowed uh, several Southampton players to stamp on Palace players in that game. Go for him, studs up. Um, already booked Deli Ali for going over the top of the ball and um, mm-hmm. studs through the shin stroke foot of um, was it Kiarte I think he caught. So that's already happened, and then um, Deli Ali's d- dives. No contact, and the ref allows him to get away with no second yellow card.
4: Yeah, I mean it's uh, obviously we're biased, and you know we're going to defend Wilf and whatever. But you know, for for a start, when he got booked, Ali, he was mouthing off to the referee. Mm. So clearly, that's all right. Rather than clapping, you know, if you mouth off, that's fine. The the dive, he obviously was looking for it. There wasn't any contact. The referee acknowledged there wasn't any contact but didn't even talk to him like obviously I think it should be a second yellow mm. but at least talk to him and say look you're on a booking you do that again and you're out and it even got to a point where Wilf got fouled you know as he was running down the wing But didn't really see anything beyond that and then it, Wilf got called over for a talking to I'm just thinking he's just been kicked
3: yeah just- <laughs> uh, so you haven't seen a video clip back today of um, you can see Wilf Wilfizahar's clearly saying "Shut up, you fucking pussy" to Kieran Trippier, <laughs> so that then he should be commended. <laughs> so Mariner actually gives him the chance that like he's actually saying to Wilf, just shut up. Like he obviously they must have had some. Beep. <laughs> Sorry, that was a bit late. <laughs> they must have had some. Um- bonding time mariner and zaha i guess since the clapping incident but yeah he was he was just like wilf he was just going to just be quiet please <laughs> but it was very funny because he was saying it over and over again to him it's um very amusing so yeah but it was i just think deli ali should have been sent off I was, like I, I tweeted straight after mariner wouldn't have been to get his second yellow card out quick enough to send wilf off if he'd dived after already being booked and um just but then, you know, you can also see from the referee side, Tottenham's brand new stadium. One of their star players sends him off for two yellows within 25 minutes, would have been um would have taken some bottle, I guess. But there you go. Um what else we like? Right, shall we go? Is it is the end of the season the natural point for Hodgson to go? And Albert, you can answer this. Um does it feel like now that if we hold on to him and we continue this form in the early part of the season, next season, and we're still down there and the season's basically over before it's begun, is it going to be a bit like holding on to Pardew after the cup
5: final season and just
3: being, he should have gone in the summer and we should have started afresh?
5: I mean, just the fact that you've mentioned the whole Pardew really outstanding his welcome has instantly got my back up and now I'm bang for blood. (laughs) Um, Let's not repeat that. It's, it's difficult. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not enjoyable at the moment and the cup run was, the potential cup running, you know, the game against Watford was deeply frustrating because whilst we're not obviously guaranteed safe, it would be a real travesty if we went down and I'm not saying that's the height of my ambition, but, you know, we we look fairly safe to, to stay in the Premier League for another year, but the cup run was like, come on, let's let's go for that and it was insipid against Watford you know compounded the the result against brighton the week before mm. which was just equally bad and if you can't if you cannot get up for those two games or either of those two games let alone back to back something's something's not right the so on on paper i'm 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 almost down for the you know it's probably a, a natural point for roy to go and and find someone that can come in and sort of rejuvenate the squad because you've got great players that aren't aren't being used to their potential um the only thing that i the only thing that i would sort of temper that with is that you know we we chop it we chop and change managers sometimes for our own choice sometimes more often than not you know Allardyce was probably meant to be around a bit longer than than he was and frank De Burr was obviously meant to be around longer than he was um you know we do need a bit of st- we've always needed a bit of stability but roy isn't a long t- whether it's one more season or a half season roy isn't a long term option anymore um so, as sad as I would be to sort of say it hasn't, you know, it hasn't worked out as as great as we we'd hoped, he's come in he's steadied the ship, and it's probably it probably is a natural time to to try and inject some new ideas into the club. Yeah, um, uh, Hesketh, would you is this another right
3: time for you to go out there and try and get someone who will exploit these players? And we've got a lot of great attacking threats on the pitch, and um, we kind of stifle them quite a lot under Roy. And do you think it's the time to go and get a manager that will bring the best out of them?
4: Um, yeah, I do. I I agree a lot with what Albert said. Um, and I don't dislike Roy by any means. And I understand the argument that it's, you know, better the devil, you know, because, you know, if someone asked me, who would you get? I don't have an answer to that. Um, but, you know, and and people will say, look at Charlton, they got rid of Kerbysh and then sank, which again, I understand that. But at the same time, we could keep Roy. And have you know what what we've seen over the last sort of month or two happen from the very start of the season? So, so it's you know it's impossible to predict what's going to happen, but I definitely think that um, this group of players is playing within themselves. I'm like I am a hundred percent sure that we can get a lot more out of these players, especially like you said in an attacking sense. So you, I mean, if you if you think about the lack of goals we scored at home, looking at the players we've got and what we know they're capable of we should be scoring a lot more goals than that you know it's it's not okay to score 7 or 8 or whatever it is goals from open play at home over the course of the season we're in april you know th- that that's underperforming mm-hmm. and you can say that some players aren't having as good a season as normal like lucas not been as great i don't think he's been bad but he's not been as great and some players haven't maybe made the impact that we hoped they would whether that's through not playing or playing um, sporadically, like Maya or Kiyate. Um, but you know, I think game management is a big part of the reason that we're not getting results that we are capable of getting. Now, I'm not saying we should go out and like try and batter Tottenham because I think they will pick us off and be you know hammer us, but I think we should show a bit more ambition, um, and I think that we're capable of doing that. You know, we've got good forward players. I think we've got midfielders who are capable of doing a lot more than they are doing if they're not as reserved. Um, And I think a manager who can get more out of those players and also change things during the game when it's not going right rather than waiting and waiting and waiting. You know, whoever that is, as I say, I don't know who that is, but I'm sure there's someone out there who's capable of doing that. Um, And I think, yeah, you know, this summer is a nice sort of end point for for everyone where we say thank you roy you know after the deborre sort of debacle you've done a great job you kept us up you know mid table lower mid table whatever this year brilliant you you know you've got the freedom of croydon thanks for everything uh you know enjoy your retirement
3: mm.
4: not not to be callous but i think that's it i think you know we're probably his last job and then, you know, if we sort of think in that way now, then we'll have, you know, we're giving ourselves more time to find a replacement if we do decide to sort of give him a handshake and send him off.
3: There you go. Um, all this left man and match, really, I think. Um, for me, simple choice. I think it was Guaita. Some brilliant save, particularly at the end from Lucas Mora. Um, and as always, a nod to Wambasaka, who at one point. Son just got up, shook his head, walked over to him, and shook his hand. Because he, and then p- promptly gave up trying to get past him. <laughs> Who was yours?
4: Yeah, I agree with that. I think wait, it was man of the match. Um, made some, that save at the end was absolutely brilliant. But he made some made some good saves first half. Um, you know, came out and collected the ball well. Um, yeah, for sure, it has to be him. Really, I think they had twenty six shots. So. He's done
3: pretty well. Who, who was um the man the match? dad's night out, Albert? Obviously me. <laughs>
4: Obviously
3: you. All right, okay. Um we'll start looking ahead after this short break and
1: it's Newcastle this week. Back of the Nest match preview podcast. www.backofthenest.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18+, plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming
2: up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything from which substitution can turn the game around Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
1: Back of the Nest. Match preview podcast. www.backofthenest.com
0: March. Pass, punch rather easily. Lifted in towards Cissé. And it's in. No flag. Papi Cissé has scored. Inside 10 minutes. Good hold-up play. MacArthur shooting chance. Deflected. And in super finish, it's Wilf Sahar on the volley, into the net, 3-1 to Crystal Palace, Delaney, and in, Balassi, the flag stays down, Palace have got the fourth goal, all the way through towards Bamford, MacArthur, in, his second of the game, Palace is fifth, they have wiped the floor with Newcastle United today. Hey, how are you? I'm Kiri. Right, it's so nice to meet you. Hi! Congratulations, the Kira Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees, two thousand nineteen. Are you as excited as I am?
3: Um, By the sounds of it, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> we played the five-one commentary there to try and get you excited for the weekend. Uh, <laughs> as if we, we no tourists You're well in Newcastle, and you're making the trip. Are you
4: are you excited?
3: I think we are all Robert Smith. <laughs> we
4: are all Robert Smith. Um, I'm actually not going.
3: I'm not going oh, this year. Look at that outrage! That's that's um, the hat trick of us then, because I'm not going either. I, I, I discovered today it will be Colchester against Oldham is the game I'll be viewing as part of the Stag Do I'm on. <laughs> uh, call yourself fans. Yeah, no, tell me about it. Absolute shocker. Um, but I think it's only the second one I've missed this season, so I'm not doing. I'm not doing that bad. Um, and then I don't know. I might miss Cardiff. It depends.
5: Depends if it's um important or not. But talking of of going of driving a long way to Wales, can I just can I just tell you who definitely wasn't man of the match at Dad's night last night? Go <laughs> on. So bless him. One of the dads um discovered that his son's passport was out of date, and they're going on holiday. I think maybe tomorrow afternoon, or maybe the next day. Um the only place he could get an appointment for a last minute passport was in Newport. <laughs> so last night's dad's night out. He's, he's taking it a bit easy because he's got to get up at something like four thirty in the morning, drive all the way to Newport for an eight o'clock appointment to get, to get a last minute passport for his son so they can go on holiday. So everyone's like, Oh mate, you know, fair enough, fair play. Good luck and all that. He, uh, <laughs> we then got, a a message on the on the dad's whatsapp group cool um <laughs> saying if you need to get a last minute passport for your kid then make sure you take your kid with you to newport i went this morning without <laughs> and i've been told i've got to go back tomorrow morning with the family another 4:30 in the morning set off <laughs> uh yeah you should probably take the person you're trying to get a passport for i think that'd be the best yeah shout out to gordon man <laughs> <laughs>
3: Um. Yeah, Newport is always a good place. Uh, my best mate's from Newport. Um, well, he's not, he's from Bristol. His whole family are from Bristol, but um, it's a lot cheaper to live in Newport. Um, so when they were like... New family, first kid with broke, moved to Newport because it was cheaper. So he was born in Newport and on his passport it says Newport. And obviously anyone who's from Bristol or knows anyone from Bristol would know that they have a huge rivalry with Wales. So his whole family and friends just give him abuse all the time for being Welsh. And it's um that small town of Newport. Um, he should be a Newport County fan, not a Bristol Rovers fan. Um <laughs> right, we'll start with I think and I think this will pretty much just cover off most of our chat in this game. With the style of football we're playing, is it right that Ben Teke should be up front for us? I'll start of you, Heskiv. So I saw a really good tweet from um, uh, Daryl. Um, he said, when you get your heads around that he's not going to score, we are more likely to score when Ben Teke is on the field. Do you share those sentiments?
4: Well, I've been a pretty big defender of Ben Teke through last season. Um, and so I quite like him. And I think he's, I do think he's a good player. And I think what's important to remember over the last couple of games, when he's come on, he's looked sharp. He's won headers. He's made things happen. And like you say, yesterday we were twatting the ball up the pitch, and it, you know, it came straight back. Like we we weren't getting hold of it. So I think you know, there's nothing to lose by playing him for a start. Um, I saw someone else say, you know, he's our player, whereas Mishy is Chelsea. So it's like. If if we're sort of saying we're safe, then you might as well play Benteke to try and get his confidence up, which I also agree with. Um, And I, I just think on, you know, on the on the sort of little cameos he's made over the past couple of weeks, he's worth starting, especially especially you know if if we're resorting. Hopefully we won't against Newcastle, but you know if we're resorting to hoofing it, or if it's you know another tactic that we can employ. Um, where we can use the wingers at some, you know, in some respects, but also if we want to launch it and, and go a bit agricultural or whatever, he's there to make a difference. So, yeah, I, I would, I'd quite like him to start, to be honest.
3: Yeah, and it's also with the way, you like to say, we're safe, and if we can get Benteke up and scoring for, even if it's two or three between the end of the season, um, some sort of scoring run for him, and I know that's could seem like a stretch to some people because it's um, he hasn't scored that many goals um, for quite a while, but um, that can do one of two things. Um, He's coming towards the end of his contract. Um, I think he's probably still got a year left, maybe two if he signed a five-year contract. I can't remember if it was a four or five and we're going to start needing some interest from somewhere at some point if we're going to sell him uh, to recoup some money Uh, or if not, um, we want a striker that's going to score goals and we can offer a new contract to him would want to keep. So um, there's no better time than this sort of part of the season where the pressure's off and he can just go and try and enjoy his football and, and score some goals. Um, Albert, can you, can you see him being someone who scores goals ever again or do you think we should deploy him more as someone who tries to Create goals for people and create space for people—a bit like Cameron Drome did in that first su- season for us so successfully.
5: I think it depends. I think it depends on the system and and you know the, the manager. Are we going to stick with Roy? Are we going to get a, a new manager in? Is Benteke going to be sold in the summer? But I think at the moment, I think at the moment, it's it's, it's crying out, and I almost I almost don't care what happens behind it in the middle of the park. I think it's crying out for having Batchwi and Benteke up front, like it's it's the most obvious. Uh, it's like the most obvious front two we've had that could work together. I know since probably Murray and Gale, which wasn't always particularly fruitful, but, you know, when it worked, it, it, it was good. Um, so I think that the mid, the midfield three, you know, this midfield three that we keep seeing, you know, it's a combination of MacArthur, uh Luca. Uh, you know, and the, you know, Max Meyer's not getting in the team for whatever reason. So we almost have to just, like I say, I almost, don't, I almost don't care what happens behind. I, I'd almost be happy to have, you know, four at the back, two holding in Kiyate and Luca, and let Will and Andros and uh, Benteke and, and Mitshibashi just put all the the attacking onus on them. And you know, you, you've got you've got two wide men who can get the ball into the box. Whether that's crosses for Benteke or, you know, or, or sort of playing it more on the deck and trying to get Batshuayi on the end of, on the end of, of stuff. So, like you say, we're we're pretty much safe. You know, not, like I say, it's not mathematical, but we're for all intents and purposes we're safe. So why don't why don't we try something different? You know, play to play two up top, and if it's if it's away at Newcastle, and we're gonna, you know we're going to have to go a bit long. And agricultural, as Sam says, put someone on the pitch that's going to maybe get a bit of a result out of those balls in you know up the field or from out wide and and see what happens they obviously know each other from the international international scene slim chance the wide is going to be here next season so whilst they're both here why don't why don't we see if it works it's it's bizarre to me yeah no
3: i would i would certainly like to see those two at least get a run of games together see what happens um you know give us a bit of enjoyment towards the end of the season because it has felt like this season's been a bit of a slog at times. Um, I think the other main talking point is Andrew Townsend obviously was dropped to the bench for the game against Spurs Heskiff. Now, uh, rumours have it that this was to do with him punching the dugout after getting substituted against Huddersfield. And I don't think um, in frustration at being subbed, I think he understood why he got subbed because he was having a bit of air, but um, he's... He's gone off the ball quite a lot. I would suggest in recent weeks. And um, do you think dropping to the bench will give him that kick up the backside that he needs on Wednesday night, or um, and he gets back in, or would you continue with Schalp in that position?
4: Um, I, I think it will give him a kick up the bum. He he looked a bit. I mean, you, you know, so he had, he had a bit of a faff before the goal. But is the thing with Andros is he's, he's got a lot of running in him, and I think especially away games you know and and, and st james's park seems like a big pitch i know everyone looks like ants when you're up at that way end but you know it's space for him to run into and i think that he'll enjoy that and i would start him i would start him i think schlup's performance yesterday was back to the performances that he gave before he had his little purple patch where he was doing his pointing thing where he should be and he wasn't covering and he sort of looked tired mm. even very early on um and you know he's played most games isn't he really this season so maybe he, it's time for, for him to have a a break um but i i you know i think yeah wolf and andros wide is where we're going to get most of our joy so even though his form might be a bit you know not not as good as we expect from andros i think he's he's got to get put back in that team mm. um I'm sure they give him a bit of a boo, wouldn't they? But hopefully he'll bang it, bang in the world, he shut him up.
3: <laughs> yeah. certainly just get getting the ball wide, get the ball crossing into the middle, Benteke go back post, I run across the front post, and just just see what happens, see if we score some goals. Cause you touching it further up in the show, just saying, you know, it's not it's unacceptable the amount of goals we've scored from open play this season with the amount of sh- striking talent that we have on the pitch. And um just go go back to basics really. That's what I think it should be. And um you know, they should get Ian Wright and Mark Brighton to do a chat with them to <laughs> explain how they simplified the game um, into such a very in such a very effective fashion that enabled them to score loads and loads of goals. Um right predictions. <laughs> Heskiff, you went for a two one defeat against Huddersfield. But I finally got one right on the show. I went two right. um buzz in there but um Ed Kellaway is still running away he's, he's got two correct results in the last two matches as well so he's gone on to 32 um, points from 32 games so Hodgson will be delighted with him point a point game
4: <laughs> very satisfied
3: <laughs> and he's like eight points clear of you in that now so um yeah he's um, he's run off uh Albert you obviously wasn't on the show so you can have the honours this week of predicting the Newcastle score the most optimistic I can be is to suggest it will be a one-all draw. So let's go with that. Okay, that's what Billiam's gone for. He suggests a Luca penalty. Um, I saw a great tweet on the, after the Huddersfield game from, I think it was a West Ham fan, saying, penalty to Crystal Palace. In other news, the sky is blue. <laughs> it—that's I feel like one more Luca penalty and I think he ties the Premier League era record of most penalties in a season of 10, which is currently held by Steven Gerrard. But I feel like that might be a record that gets broken a fair amount in the coming decade.
5: How many did AJ get?
3: Um, did he get nine, nine or 10? Maybe he got 10 as well.
5: Yeah, I think he must have got nine or ten. Yeah. I mean twenty one goals, wasn't it? Was it twenty one goals for the for the season? Yeah. It was. Mm,
4: so. I tell you it's just it's just as well that Lucas scores these bloody penalties.
3: Yeah. Um well it, it is. I mean and it's it's a tough thing to do to consistently score penalties. But what was interesting was his the graphic of these penalties is they're perfectly balanced to the left and the right, so you don't really know where he's going so he it's like it's in his head to balance them out all the time and obviously the only two penalties he has missed are both times he went down the middle um so in a Premier League season so I read this on um on an article so um it says Steven Gerrard held the record uh, but yeah when you say about because I feel like didn't he, he AJ outbalanced him he scored more penalties than goals from open play didn't he these are all good questions. <laughs> These are all good questions. Oh, but look, there's there's an amazing website that enables me to... Oh, no, it doesn't. See, it only goes back a few seasons. To, to fill. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, so the Premier League website only goes back to a certain amount of seasons and it doesn't include 04, 05, So that's probably where this has come from. So, yeah, Frank Lampard scored 10 in 09, 010.
4: According to Matchpoint website...
3: Shout out to Pint. AJ's...
4: AJ scored 11 spot kicks
3: that season. Okay, there you go then. So that must be the must be looking like the record because as I flick through other seasons here, there doesn't appear to be anyone. called that's five in that season. So, um, yeah, so we'll say 11's the record. Stephen Gerrard got 10 in 13, 14. Lampard got 10 in 9, 10. So he'll be looking to level up that record at least. And. Um, yeah, he, he won the rankings last season with seven as well. So um, he's going to be putting himself all time most penalty scored in the Premier League. He's going to be pushing his way up, especially if he either stays with us for more years or gets a contract elsewhere. So, um,
4: well, let me let me predict if he's going to score a penalty uh, on Saturday against Newcastle. No, he's not. We're going to lose one now.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's my prediction as well. I'd uh, I. Under Rafa Newcastle, a bit too wise to get done over, like we've done away from home against teams like Burnley, where you know they've left too many gaps open and stuff like that. And it will just be a goal from a set piece of some kind, I reckon, that will beat us 1 0. Um, Allah, pretty much every time we go up there, was it um, who scored it last time? Was it Marino scored ahead of Rafa? Yeah. Um, uh, we had that, um, Papi Cisse. Um, scored that last minute winner Andros yeah Andros Townsend 1-0 Andros yeah, yeah. That, P- Papi C-Sace's, um last minute winner against us uh, helped him get the record he scored four 90 plus minute winners which is the joint record in the Premier League era another completely use, useless him. stat brought to you by back of the nest uh, <laughs> right <laughs> we'll finish that there and we'll be back after this <laughs>
1: Back of the Nest Match Preview Podcast. www.backofthenest.com
3: Well, that's almost a lot for this week. Um, Continue giving us those five-star ratings. Thank you so much. We're absolutely flying up the charts now. We're getting way more listeners than we've ever had. And um, so thank you for all the lovely work you've done for us in that sense. Um, Albert, it's been great having you back. Did you mean that? It sounded a bit forced. (laughs) (laughs) absolutely meant it i mean last week was just me and heskiff just droning on at each other i'm surprised anyone listened to it if i'm honest now
5: everybody knows how i feel albert certainly didn't listen to it
3: (laughs) (laughs) um heskiff thank you so much as always cheers right so we've got um arsenals up next isn't it or is or is it I don't know. I'm I'm really terrible at this. I mean, it would take me about five seconds of research before the game to just um, before the game before the pod to just go on and have a look. But um, I mean, I I think it's Arsenal. It is Arsenal. Thank you, William. That's that's what the producers do, right? So, oh no, it's not Arsenal. It's Man City. Oh, even better, Billiam. You are fired. Um, and I'll shortly be firing myself after and walking out the door behind you. Um, yeah, so Man City will be there. Sunday the 14th of April is a Man City game, so uh, that will be our next preview. So <laughs> please bear with us. Um, but, yeah, until next time, up the palace.
2: The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment
1: to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery free and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com